this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. Today we are here with Sarah Vallely, a mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness as well. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. On today's episode, we are going to be discussing the pros and cons of meditation apps. We will be addressing questions such as, is getting an app enough for your meditation practice? Are you going to get everything out of a meditation app that you could get out of a teacher? And much, much more. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hi, Jacob. I'm great. If you go onto your iPhone and you go to the app store and search for mindfulness, there are hundreds of apps that will teach you how to meditate. Some of the popular ones are Headspace and Calm. And these apps focus on the breath. They focus on becoming aware of your thoughts and your feelings and your sensations. And the people using these apps usually go and download this app because they want to reduce their anxiety or they want to maintain better focus or they want to heal from trauma. And this is a $130 million industry. And it's actually a controversial subject. Also, if you Google the problem with meditation apps, you will see tons and tons of articles about why it's maybe not ideal to use a meditation app, but there are so many benefits that we can't ignore either. I personally have never used a meditation app. I'm not going to be able to speak completely intelligently about these apps. Those of us who started meditating 20 years ago, like I have, we started meditating before apps. We started meditating before YouTube. YouTube came out in 2005, and I probably started my serious meditation practice in about 1999. And so we learned how to meditate without that. So it's hard for us to fathom learning how to meditate through an app, but we've got Jacob Drosset here. Jacob has lots of experience with meditation apps. Uh, so yeah, Jacob, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this subject. I think of back when the Buddha was walking around, I heard a teacher say that there was a lot of types of meditation happening in his time. People would do corpse meditation, walking meditation, movement meditation, sitting meditation. And the Buddha agreed with all of them. He was kind of like, sure. You know, like, I don't think he had an opinion about the specific type, but it's really more or less the turning of attention. Whatever is going to get you meditating and start you meditating and keep you meditating is probably the best thing for you. So what would you say are some of the pros? Like, let's start out with one pro. Well, accessibility to other teachers, I would say. I have the ability now to listen to Henry Shookman from Mountain Cloud Zen Center, David White, this amazing poet, like he has a whole series on there, Douglas Harding's work through Richard Lang on the Headless Way, like all these amazing teachers, like just incredible. Some of the best meditation teachers in the entire world, I have essentially unlimited access to them and their teaching. So that's amazing. I've heard that 
when you go into certain apps, you can search for meditations that address certain issues. For example, say you just got broken up with and you're going through heartbreak or you're dealing with some fear or sleep issues. You can find a specific meditation that will lead you through to overcome some of those mm-hmm. issues. So have you, has that been your experience? An app like Calm is, is geared specifically really towards sleep. That's the their big sell. Headspace, they had a lot of mindfulness of stuff like mindfulness of exercise and movement and eating and things, which was pretty interesting. And uh, I know uh, Headspace had a, a series on flying that I listened to because I have a big fear of flying. So yeah. So for me, I've been teaching meditation and mindfulness for 20 years. You will not find me on any meditation apps. I am also hesitant to post any guided meditations. I think that that conversation piece, which is lacking in an app, is so important to your meditation journey to learn how to practice mindfulness. For example, I'll be in a class with students and they might say, you know, I'm meditating with my eyes open. I'm looking at a plant. And when I look at the plant, it makes me think of all the gardening that I have to do. Like, what should I do in that situation? And I'm right there. It's during the class and I can address that issue. Or they might say, you know, I have this terrible ache in my shoulder today while I'm meditating. You know, how do I deal with that? It's so distracting. Or student might say, you know, I usually meditate after breakfast and I'm noticing I have some discomfort in my belly area. What do you think? Do you meditate before you eat? Do you meditate after you eat? And so all of these questions can be addressed in a back and forth conversation that personalizes the experience for my students. And that's a big piece I don't think you can get from a meditation app. Yeah. I mean, you don't get that. I've spent many, many, many hours in my car driving around wondering if I'm understanding what they're saying, hoping that they address certain questions that I have. I would prefer to have a teacher in front of me and and the ability to ask questions to them. That's second to none. And I'll even go a step farther and say there is a thing I've, I've heard about. I haven't experienced, but it's a dark night of the soul. So it's like when you are experiencing some very uncomfortable thoughts and experiences in meditation, I think having somebody you check in with regularly to to pose those questions or sit with is paramount. Yeah. And that dark night of the soul is a real thing. And there's lots of different reasons for it. One of the reasons is when we do practice mindfulness and we get into a good practice, we really move into healing When we move into healing, it means that there are things in our life that are going to shift that on a deep level can feel uneasy. And another reason for the dark night of the soul or these kind of um, these fears that come up is when you are in your practice, you don't really need your ego. There's no operation that you're doing that requires to have an ego. All you're doing is sitting and noticing. You're not making any decisions. You're not projecting anything into the future. You're not making any judgments about things that happened in the past, which are all things that your ego is involved with. Is when the part of you that is your ego starts to realize I have no purpose, it can be really daunting and a little bit scary. So it can, it can bring up some discomfort. And so like you were saying, you know, having a teacher there to validate your experience, kind of explain to you what's happening and then some suggestions for how to move through it can be invaluable. 
It's just like psychedelics as well. You shouldn't say, okay, I know that psilocybin helps with trauma. I'm going to go buy a bunch of mushrooms and lay down in the forest and figure that out. Not safe. As strange as it may be to people from the outside of the meditation community, meditation can actually be very similar to that. It can be very unsettling. Some of the things that come up, if you have to handle those things in isolation, it can be, I mean, just downright impossible, terrifying and agonizing. And again, I think that a lot of the apps, the reason that they have to play it so safe and, and kind of do things more mild is because of that reason, right? So that's why their meditation is what I would consider to be kind of watered down. It's because it kind of has to be, you know, they don't have the ability to really pull the rug out from under you, so to speak. Like I've heard so many of these like Eastern meditation teachers would do and just really give you a profound awakening experience because the liability would be pretty bad. Yeah. And that's another controversy is do these meditation apps deepen your practice? Can you have a spiritual realization? Can you have a deep experience? People are saying that the meditation apps don't include a lot of the Buddhist philosophy, such as impermanence, craving, life and death, skilled and unskilled thinking, you know, some of these concepts that really deepen your practice. And then do the meditation apps support you to get to these states such as the no self state nirvana? In the classes that I teach through TSD mindfulness, we call it integration. And what the no self experiences, which is nirvana, another term for it, is you get to this place where you don't have a concept that you are you. Like when I get there, I have no concept of Sarah as a person. Like I don't exist anymore. And when I'm listening to a fan that's 10 feet away, I don't know that that's a fan. Number one, I've gotten to such a deep place. I don't know that it's 10 feet away. And so when you don't know that it's a fan and you don't know that it's 10 feet away, then you are the fan. And that's that oneness and that no self experience. Can you get to that depth in your practice with a meditation app? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking no, but I'd love to hear your take on that. I tell you, you can. But with that being said, I have been scratching my head for most of my time meditating, wondering if I am experiencing that or not. In Zen, you do tests. So you think you've had an awakening experience. You'll sit down with your teacher and he will go through several probing questions to understand and see if you've actually had an awakening experience or not having your teacher tell you you've had that experience, again, is second to none. You you don't get that with an app. But I think you, you can have a good practice. You can still have awakenings. You can still do this, but it's a lot more difficult of a path, I think. And I think that most apps are not going to provide that. What I understand from these meditation apps is you can get data on how many minutes you meditate. You can get data on how many days in a row you meditate. You can get data on how many days during the month you meditate. Jacob, is that something that you found helpful? Yeah. You want to know my data? Yeah. What's your data? I have been mindful 720 days, 13,000 minutes, and I have done 1,300 sessions on that app. I've been a member since 2018. I have heard sometimes the app can actually cause stress. Yeah. And yeah, I'm feeling like, you know, you have to keep up. The idea of mindfulness is to become liberated, become liberated from delusion, become liberated from our thoughts, from our cravings, liberated from attachment. And so the question is, when we are learning mindfulness through an app, are we becoming attached to the app? Or another way to look at it is if we are attached to our phone, is learning mindfulness through an app 
reinforcing that attachment to your phone. And and same thing is with a meditation teacher, you know, not becoming completely reliant attached to your meditation teacher. Uh, There's a Buddhist term for that, and that's called kill the Buddha. And the idea is, is that if you start to become, you know, too dependent on your teacher or an ideology, too dependent on a concept that you, you have to kill it. Like don't literally go and kill your (laughs) meditation teacher, but uh, you know, just let go of that. Yeah. Because Uh, it's the, I mm -hmm. I guess the idea is that it, it removes attachment is the whole thing. The whole deal is realizing the impermanence of everything, right? Everything comes and goes not holding on to things or you'll get rope burn, you know, kind of deal. I was uh, meditating exclusively with the app. Now I meditate without it a lot. I use the timer still because it has a little bell that rings and keeps me like, oh yeah, wait, I'm lost in thought. So that's nice. And, and to be honest, it does log my minutes, which I am very passionate about. So that is an attachment. Yeah, for sure. Another thing is to not have a goal in mind, to not be striving to reach something in general, do these meditation apps kind of make you feel like you're striving for some type of goal? I do think with apps, they have an, an intent to get you to come back to it. And uh, that is not what the practice is about. Didn't the waking up app address this? Uh, on that app, they stopped doing the streak because people had streaks. He, he mentioned of up to 500 days, mm-hmm. like 600 days meditating, which is insane. If you're focused on your streak, then you're not focused on the point, which is not being distracted every moment throughout the day that you can is, yeah. is ultimately his take on it. And, uh, and I found that very interesting that he uh, eliminated the streak for that reason. And we can't tiptoe around this huge benefit that the apps give us. And that is that if you are brand new to mindfulness and you don't know where to start and you're holding a phone, how accessible is it? Super accessible. You can just go on your phone, go to the app store, find a mindfulness app, download it and start within 60 seconds. That's probably the biggest benefit. I mean, it's bringing people into the practice who probably wouldn't enter it otherwise. Yeah. And maybe what it's doing is it's bringing people in, they're getting a taste of the practice, they're getting a taste of the benefits, they're starting to see something shift in their daily life. And then hopefully they get inspired enough to get online and start Googling mindfulness teachers and, you know, find a mindfulness teacher, find something that fits well for them. So then they can really level up their practice. The more people we have meditating in the world today, the better. I think the more people we have examining their thoughts and behaviors, the better. So if that's going to be doing an app, then that's better than nothing. But something you'll also notice is that everybody that is on these apps teaching had teachers. But obviously the best thing to do is going to be to go to a teacher. You're going to get the fastest results. Jacob, what do you think is the biggest benefit you've gained from using meditation apps? I feel more connected to my family and I feel more connected to myself. That's great. But it sounds like you want to gain more support from a teacher and perhaps find a meditation community. As you know, one of the other big cons of a meditation app is the lack of community. When you find a meditation teacher, you also find a community. And in my classes, the group of students that I work with find support 
with each other. And we share about our personal experiences with our mindfulness practice, whether it's our sitting practice or just our mindfulness mindset during the day. And they can learn from one another. They can feel motivated by one another. I also have an online forum where we hold three discussions between each class. One discussion is on what came up during the class. The other discussion is on the readings. And then the third discussion is on their personal practice. That's really helpful too for my students because they're able to read and connect with their classmates and say, yeah, you know, they're struggling the same way that I am. I feel, feel validated oh, this person had a similar challenge that I had, and this is how they overcame it. Let me try that. And, and just the general human desire for connection and, and having connection over something that's mutual. A big hole in my practice that I, I haven't been able to talk about meditation with people. I read um, in the book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, that you should not talk about meditation to your friends and family unless they ask about it. <laughs> don't talk about it because you'll uh, upset people. They don't want to hear about it. You know, it's not something, if they're not interested in it, they're not interested in it. My family doesn't like it when I'm being a Buddhist. They like it when I'm being the Buddha. Mm. You know, they don't want to hear about how much Buddhism or, or meditation would impact their life. They want to hear me be more present and open for them. So that's something I've taken to heart. But with that being said, I still feel like I really want to talk to people about meditation. I still would love to connect with people about their experiences and talk about my own and, and learn. Uh, and I have, I have not been able to do that. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind is in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information, such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram 